Welcome to the Serving Leaders Podcast, where we talk about health and ministry leadership. On today's episode, Dave Wiedis talks with Pennsylvania Family Institute's COO and Chief Counsel Randy Wanger and Director for Strategic Partnerships Kurt Weaver about the Equality Act and how in an attempt to give freedoms to the marginalized in our society, it poses a threat to our religious liberties. Our Serving Leader podcasts are created to help ministry leaders and the church to focus on topics that will be of great importance to their lives and ministries. It's not an exaggeration to say that our topic today is so important that it has the potential to affect virtually every aspect of our ministries. We are going to be addressing the issues and implications of pending legislation called the Equality Act. The Equality Act is a new piece of federal legislation that's an attempt by some to protect groups that they see as marginalized in our society. However, as we'll see, part of the problem is that in trying to protect the liberties of some, it threatens everyone's religious liberty and the First Amendment itself. So in an attempt to protect the marginalized, this legislation will end up marginalizing those who hold a biblical view of human sexuality including issues of sexual orientation and gender identity. And it actually threatens our schools, churches, and public spaces. So our hope in today's podcast is really to bring awareness and and action to the issues relating to legislation and public policy that are going to impact the church and also nonprofits, organizations' ability to legally function according to their beliefs and values. So in order to unpack this very important and interesting topic, as well as complicated, we have two guests. Uh, Randy Wenger is the chief counsel of the Independence Law Center, a pro bono law center dedicated to protecting religious liberty. And Randy has handled many cases, major cases involving religious liberty, including the Conestoga Wood case and a companion case uh, called Hobby Lobby, a religious liberty win before the Supreme Court. And then we also have Kurt Weaver, who's the director of church, the Church Ambassador Network for the family, excuse me, the Pennsylvania Family Institute. And Kurt um, not only has done this, but he's got extensive pastoral experience. He's been a pastor, having uh, been in ministry over well over 11 years. So both of you, I want to welcome you. Um, I have loved and respected you both over the years. We've had long-term relationships. So we'll try to make this really clear and, and uh, you know, helpful. So Randy, if you could give us an overview of the Equality Act and help us understand exactly what it is, right? So that we know what we're talking about here. Sure, it, it's a massive expansion of federal civil rights laws that include sexual orientation, gender identity, but also then increase the, the different contexts. So it, it would cover um, employment issues. So, so that would affect religious employers. Um, it would affect athletics. So girls sports, um, dormitories. So if you're looking to share a college dorm room with somebody of the same sex, it may not be the same sex anymore. It may be based on gender identity. So um, even, even right there, you're, so you're talking about if you have an all, all girls dormitory in a Christian college. Yes. And then a male comes in who says, I'm a female or identifies as a female uh, under the Equality Act. You can't, quote, discriminate. And you have to allow that person to live with the girls in the girls dorm. 
yeah, they, this is this is going to bring all kinds of litigation because, of course, Christian schools can't can't abide by that. OK, um, keep going. I, ju- I just wanted to make clear some of these examples here. Sure. Um, bathrooms, locker rooms, showers that have historically been divided on the basis of sex with the Equality Act, they're going to be divided on the basis of gender identity instead. Women's shelters. Um, oh, interesting. And, and I can give you a colorful example of of uh, a violent drunk man who went to a women's shelter. The women's shelter said, no, thank you. Because of course, this is a place where, where women, See, for whatever I, reason, need to be away from men, but to then force them to be together, to be sharing dorm space and, and shower space is just crazy. Adoption, right, so, so, so again, just to call this out. So you have a women's yeah. shelter, which is designed to provide safety for people sometimes who've been abused, yes, eaten up by a male counterpart. And so a male goes there identifying as a female and then under the Equality Act would be, they, they'd be forced to admit that person either as a you know, resident or even as an employee. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes, precisely. Okay, okay. Precisely, it's, it's broad. Yeah, um, medical medical professionals s- being forced to to do gender change services. Um, so doing the uh, hormone therapy for somebody who is wanting to transition from one sex to the to another, or somebody who who does surgeries, for instance, somebody who does um, mastectomies because of cancer would be forced to do that for somebody who wants to transition from female to male. So, so, so if a surgeon has a, 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 a religiously based objection to performing certain kinds of surgeries, yes. such as, you know, converting, you know, t- taking off a woman's breast, for example, uh, he, he would not have a religious exemption there or a, re- a conscientious exemption. He'd be forced to violate his religiously, strongly held religious beliefs it, and perform a surgery, or maybe lose his license, or be fired. Um, it it would be it, he would be considered a discriminator. He or she would be considered a discriminator under the uh, under the Equality Act. So could be could be fined. Their employer is going to try to get rid of them at that point because uh, they're they're a liability because they're not following what they sh- what they should be following under the Equality Act. And in based on state laws, they may be running sideways with with licensure, and sure. but but again, you you think of you think of religious people who aren't wanting to remove healthy organs for whatever reason, but it's not just religious people; it's it's doctors who want to follow the the Hippocratic oath to do no harm right. are now being told you need to do this because it's it's the new. It's the new expectation. Even though the physician thinks he's doing harm and he's trying not to do right. Harm. Yeah. Right. right. Give us a couple of other examples. I don't want to turn to Kurt and just ask him pastorally why pastors should care about this. It did, did I mention counseling? Because that could be a really good segue into Kurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are tons of examples here, but, but I think that's one that that is certainly with what you do at serving leaders and what so many pastors do in their setting. Um, counselors yeah. would be, would be specifically prohibited from some helping somebody 
who is who is struggling with same-sex attraction or is beginning to think maybe I'm the opposite sex, the only thing that you can do is to affirm. You can't actually help somebody to achieve their goals. Yeah. So, so that's an important piece that I think is, let's just dive into a piece of that for a moment, because the, the preamble or the legislative history of the Equality Act really calls out this idea that if somebody has unwanted same-sex attraction and comes for counseling, you know, I don't believe in, quote, praying the gay away. That's not at all what we're talking right. about here. No. Somebody who generally says, look, I believe in scripture. I believe what the Bible says about, you know, men and women, who, who we are, identity, and that, you know, uh, and, I, and he says, I believe homosexuality is wrong, but I do struggle. So you're saying under the Equality Act, they specifically mention this kind of um, psychotherapy or treatment and prohibit it because that would be discriminatory. Yes. And I, and as a counselor, I would be forced to affirm. Or forced to out of counseling altogether, because if, because if you're not willing to counsel affirmation in a setting like that, that's considered to be discrimination. Okay. Okay. Right. So, so one could face fines or even losing their license. Um, and even, and even pastors uh, could be accused of being, um, you know, harmful or uh, discriminating against individuals who come to their church and, uh, and want to yeah. get help. And, and, and honestly, uh, for those that have un, unwanted desires, you know, we want to be helping them and we want to be encouraging them you know, in biblical ethics and um, uh, sure. morality. Well, and, and Kurt, I mean, the, the, one, of the, one of the basic premises of counseling is that you honor the dignity and choice of your client. So when a client comes to me and says, I want something, it's not about my desire, it's about my client's desire, right? right? So what you're saying is, I can't honor my client's desire and honor the dignity and choice that my client's making because of the, I would be considered running afoul of the Equality Act and discriminating. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah and, and I would go as far as saying, even in pastoral ministry, it might even be a little bit different because um, you might be saying what your indiv the individual in your church setting, you know, a member in your church who um, is living a, uh, a lifestyle that is not in concert with scripture. Mm -hmm. or biblical orthodoxy, you're going to be telling them that what they're doing is wrong in the eyes of God. And yep. they need to live a life that honors the God, honors the Lord and follows scripture. And that there is going to be deemed discriminatory. Right. So Kurt, let me, let me just ask you this more broad question. Help us understand why pastors need to be engaged in this topic and why it's part of discipleship. Yeah, I think um, pastors need to be addressing these issues that we see in our world today, um, mainly because if we're not helping uh, those in our congregations understand how to think biblically about the issues of our world and what we're facing currently, all, all the current issues of the day, then we're leaving it to a secular culture to disciple them on how to think about the issues of the day. And so it really comes down to faithful pastors uh, training and helping and guiding their congregants 
uh, very much what we're called to in scripture. You know, so when, when Paul was encouraging, you know, um, the early leaders and Timothy to, uh, to use the word of God to encourage their flocks, uh, to, to follow it, to be strengthened by it, um, so that they may be equipped in this life. Uh, that's what we need to be doing. Right. So, so in other words, um, wh- it, who, the question is, who's going to disciple your congregation? Is it going to be you or is it going to be the secular culture? And if, and if the pastors don't, secular culture will. Yeah. And I often hear pastors saying, well, we don't want to get political. These yeah. issues, <laughs> I mean, everything's been politicized these days. Okay. So I don't even think that is a a fair argument or common anymore. I think we have to say, okay, everything, everything in our world that we are dealing with, um, God has something to say about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there might be certain things that, you know, might be, might not be uh, terribly clear in scripture, you know, so we might find some principles um, but there's definitely a lot of precepts and a lot of commands in scripture that are going to guide us on how we view uh, the issues of our day. And in particular, uh, the LGBT lifestyle, the sexual revolution, and all these other things. And so pastors need to step into these areas, helping their people know how to think and even to how to live and how to communicate about it. it and I'll add, I'll add to the communicating about it. So often people have heard the communication done badly. And, and I think that's, that's a reason why you don't hear people on our side speaking as often. Mm. And, and, and so I think that's, that's one of the, the reasons why pastors need to responsibly be the ones to, to talk in the right tone with the love of Christ, but, but bringing truth to bear on these issues and helping people in their congregation think through things so that they can speak about them in a way because um there there are people on both sides of these issues who talk poorly and it needs to be modeled well randy i think that is a phenomenal point because you know it's important to to be clear that our current cultural perspective for example on lgbtq it's an it's an issue for our church socially and missionally right yeah and and even though we may not have time to get into the real specifically of that, that, um, you know, that topic, we, we really want people to be able to address these issues with a care, with care and right. respect and love. And so, you know, I think what you're saying is, you know, pastors can teach their congregations, not only how to think, but how, and they can model love yep. and respect, respectful dialogue, disagreement uh, with their congregations. Yeah, and I and I would add to that, Dave. I think we we have to become well versed and able to talk about policies like the Equality Act, which would really hamper the Christian community to carry out their biblical mission, and then in turn be able to care for people who are in our congregations who are struggling at some level sexually. Right. In fact, when you think about it, we know that we live in a fallen world. We know that we have indwelling sin. We know that every single person in our congregations are broken sexually in some way, including ourselves, including ourselves. Right. And so we need to be able to show compassion. Um, we need to show love. We need to, we need to be helping people uh, to understand their own brokenness and how to apply God's grace and, and God's commandments to our lives. 
But then we also have to be, care, be, be comfortable talking about particular things in our world that is going to hurt the advancement of the gospel or uh, hurt the, the door being open for the gospel to be proclaimed, to be lived out in this world. Right. And even uh, the door to be open to speak truth. And this is where I think we need to get even a little bit more fundamental. It's like the, the issue is, do we have the freedom and religious liberty to speak the truth, either from the pulpit or from a counseling office or in an employment situation or at a Christian school or at, at, a, at a synagogue or, a, or a, a, you know, a, a mosque? For, for, you know, we're not just talking Christian here. We're talking about religious liberty, which is way broader than Christians, right? And so talk a little bit about being how the Equality Act and legislation like this can sort of interfere with the way people even engage and, and view scripture itself and stop us from preaching or speaking truth. Well, right. We, we've, we've developed these, these very warped views of, of what we are to believe if we are good people. Uh-huh. And, and so then if, if our understanding of what, what the good is comes in conflict with what we're reading in scripture, um, we're going to bump up a, up against a lot of scriptures that that do have that that do speak to issues of of gay, lesbian, transgender, sexual. And, and so, if if we look at those and say, well, that's just that's just because um, Paul was a woman hater and a and a gay hater, and and so true Christianity must mean something else but I'm clearly not going to get it from this book, shut the book and, and you're done. And, and yet we, we see that kind of thing happening with, with younger Christians. And and I think we need, we need to take truth, not change truth, but help people to see how truth is beautiful. So, so I think, Kurt, you can jump in here, but I I think what you're saying is that part of the danger is if we don't address it in a very helpful way, to our congregations and others, that the the lens through which our younger Christians or younger people see the scripture is distorted. And so you're saying they go to the scripture and and eisegete in a sense, they, they, they read into the scripture, the lens of quote, the Equality Act or the underlying presuppositions of the Equality Act. And that either causes them to twist the scriptures or abandon the scriptures that that's right and and yet helping people to helping people to see truth isn't necessarily banging truth over their head too but taking a step back and and helping people to realize that what god has spoken to us through scripture it is for god's glory and is for our good and here are some of the ways where where we can see that this this ideology unfortunately leads to human suffering. And if, if we're looking to help people with their human potential, it's in conjunction with helping to understand the mysteries of the universe that, that God has put in scripture. Yeah. And, and so if we're fighting against our own sexuality, um, rather than understanding that God has created us for a purpose, um, it, we get to, we get to very different places in terms of then our own personal satisfaction like so so 
I think, I think people in our congregations can begin to understand the, the kindness that, that God's word brings to some of these issues rather than a, I, I think some would view yeah. what is kindness as draconian and just helping people to understand these issues more broadly will help than the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I, I, can, I just add, can I just add to that? I think, I think also some of these, these laws and even, you know, same-sex marriage um, being legalized here in our country, what happens is these, you know, when you look at scripture, you know, we're talking about immorality becoming normalized in our world. And so it becomes harder and harder for Christians to stand firm on biblical morality, mm-hmm. especially living in a world that's full of immorality and has normalized it and actually calls immorality morality or good, yeah. calling evil good. And, and so then Christians, it's harder for, for us then to call what the world calls good. We're calling it evil. We're saying, no, that's not good for society. Uh, that's not the way that God created us. It's not the way that God uh, wants us to live in this world. And so um, I think some of those things become harder and harder for people in our congregations, especially if we aren't talking about these things, especially the next generation. Um, in fact, currently, uh, Generation Z, there is a, a Pew Research uh, uh, that just came out recently that showed that 15% of Gen Zers identify with the LGBTQ lifestyle. So th- that tells you that's the that's a large, largest segment of all the generations currently. So that tells you that we're going to be faced with this with our younger generation, because when they're going to their schools, when they're out in society, you know, you can't even watch a sitcom or a movie anymore that isn't filled with uh, the sexual revolution uh, agenda. Right. So in in other words, when pastors say, um, how is this relevant to me? Well, immediately it's relevant because 15% of the kids in your congregation have already bought into this, the, the, the underlying presuppositions here. Right. Or, or have friends. Or have friends, sure, sure. And, and then it becomes even harder because how do you then talk to your friend? You know, how do you then even view the way that they're living? Um, right. And so the knee-jerk reaction, I think, for many is just to, you know, uh, turn their heads to it or say, listen, I'm going to love them completely regardless. You know, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. <laughs> you know, we're just going to accept them and celebrate them. And that's certainly what we're seeing a lot of, especially as Randy mentioned earlier uh, in the younger generation. Sure, sure. So listen, I think th- this is fascinating. And I think what we'll do um, just for the sake of time is we'll wrap it up here and then we'll come back with on our next podcast and pick it up because I really want to ask Randy this question. Um, what's wrong with treating people with respect? What's wrong with not being discriminatory? All right, so we'll pick it up next time uh, with that question. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode at Serving Leaders Podcast. For additional resources or to find out more about our services, you can visit us at www.servingleaders.org.